Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. In this week's episode, I chat with Chris Buchanan, founder of Good Anya, a nature-inspired food and beverage brand with an organic non-GMO cafe in Encinitas, California, and retail products like Hydrate, a clean electrolyte powder that was inspired by her years as a high-performance field hockey player. Chris is an all-American college athlete, Olympian, three-time World Cup participant, and one of the first people that I actually met in the industry when I started Purely Elizabeth. In this episode, we talk about how her Hashimoto's diagnosis changed the course of her life and business, the importance of a low-stress lifestyle for overall health, and her passion for keeping hydrated, mineralized, and free of GMOs. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Welcome to Live Purely. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here and see you a little bit. So at Purely Elizabeth, our mission is to help you thrive on your wellness journey. And you have such an interesting journey that started with really being an athlete. Take us back to the beginning and ultimately what led you to start Gadania. Yeah, I guess the beginning beginning was you could probably say I was a professional like candy acquiring child. Like I was just a little sugar addict from day one. (laughs) And I think that, I don't know, it was in the seventies, maybe it was just our neighborhood, but it was just, we didn't really have the best diet back then. You know, it was a dawn of processed foods and blah, blah, blah. So as I became an athlete my whole life, you didn't really see those effects outwardly because I was always a little skinny little fit kid. And um, when, you know, I took that all the way to the Olympics, you know, af- being an athlete was just sort of who I was and my whole life plan. And I could just really eat whatever I want. And it's really the case with a lot of athletes. And so, you know, that's going to catch up with you when you retire. And I retired at age 30, opened a restaurant and about five years in became really, really sick. So everything kind of caught up with me. And that really, it wasn't the reason I started Good Anya. Good Anya was a healthy little deli from the beginning, but it was more about back then just being local. Um, we were this tiny little office park location and we thought, oh, let's find all the best brands in San Diego and bring them in and then highlight them because we're not going to fool anyone by thinking we're making everything in this little space. So it was local wasn't really a thing yet, but I thought let's find people who know what they're doing. Cause I kind of felt like I didn't and use all of their products. And plus the food would be fresher if it was local. So that was the beginning of good on you. And then as, as I became sick and then went through the whole journey of learning good on you morphed into what it is today. So let's go back to you being a college athlete and an Olympian and really so curious to hear what was your diet and that routine like? Yeah, I think back in the 90s, it was all about carb loading. You know, you remember like the pancake pasta things before runs that people did. We weren't even allowed to eat meat before games. I think red meat was absolutely off the table. So it was just an interesting time, I think, in people's food knowledge. So it was all about getting carbs into you. And we had PhD nutritionists with us from major universities that worked with the Olympic teams. And that's what they were about. And you'll burn it off. And you know, you want your complex carbs, and it was okay to have some simple. And really didn't talk much about proteins. We never mentioned good fats. 
So we just ate a lot of pancakes and cereal and sandwiches. I mean, I don't know, you know, pizza, she even told us was the perfect food if we could put some <laughs> vegetables on it. And so, you know, when your nutritionist tells you that, you're, I was all in. I was like, okay, I got this. So was anybody questioning it at that time or was this kind of, this is what the norm was? That's the thing. How do you question it when you're 7% body fat and an Olympic athlete? You know, you don't think you're doing anything wrong. GMOs didn't come in the scene until 96. And that's when I went to the Olympics. I, I retired in 2000. So the majority of my life as an athlete, I didn't have that toxic stuff in my body. You know, there's just all these levels of food, right? GMO, conventional and organic, and now we're getting into regenerative stuff. So I don't think we were as sick as kids are today. Now you see it happening younger younger and younger, weight gain younger and younger, and especially a lot of female athletes, all the stuff with hormones that are going on and in the foods. So I guess we were a little lucky in that sense because it was kind of just like a bunch of sugar and carbs in, but we burned it. But that catches up to you. You know, I, when, I, when I retired, I had full-blown, ridiculous hypoglycemia. I could not control my blood sugar at all. So you can't put, you know, tons of sugar into your body and think that your body's going to be able to handle that for life. Yeah. At some point, it's going to break down. So as you got out of retirement and you opened Godanya at the beginning, what was it like you were focusing on? local and then how did it you started to get sick and how did it really change and what was that journey like for you yeah i mean i'll never forget the day when i retired from field hockey it was my sport i took up surfing because i'm from san diego and i wanted to be active but i didn't want i was sick of the gym sick of running so i thought okay i'm going to be a surfer so i taught myself to surf and it was a beautiful sport that you don't even feel like you're working out, you know? So um, most of my teammates were, oh, I'm so sick of this. And, you know, they were gaining weight. Some of them were gaining weight because we had kind of kept that same diet, but not working out as much. So for me, I was still very fit and I loved it. You know, I mean, I craved getting in the water. I felt this whole new sort of revitalization from working out and something new and also being alone and not having like a team and a coach yelling at you all the time. So I, I'm kind of an introvert. I learned, so I just loved being in nature. But I'll never forget the day I pulled up after work. You know, I worked from like 6 a.m. to maybe 3, went home, dealt with my dog, <laughs> took her running. And then I went surf and it was my time. And I, I pulled up to the beach and I, I looked at the ocean and I was like, wow, I, I'm exhausted. I can't do it. So it's not like you're being tired and not wanting to go to the gym. This is something you really wanted to do. And I remember just putting my board back in the car and driving home and going to bed. And kind of from that day forward, I was sick all the time, bronchitis. My weight was fluctuating like crazy. I would gain, I would gain 15 pounds. I'd lose 20 pounds. So I ended up with full-blown Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune of the thyroid. And so my body was, my immune system was suppressed and my body was exhausted and I couldn't stabilize my weight and I hadn't changed anything. At the time I had gotten into yoga a little bit too. So I I went vegetarian and a lot of soy products and I thought I was being healthy. And I almost feel like that was the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was probably, you know, it was a lifelong 35 years of kind of, kind of bad food, too much sugar, not, and, and not like bad, bad food, but just food we thought was okay. Soy milk and pasta and, you know, things before I really knew. So it all came crashing down and I couldn't even get into work. I'd be out for weeks at a time. So luckily I got to a naturopathic doctor who diagnosed me with Hashimoto's 
and I went through a diet change. I went back to school for holistic nutrition. And I was like, oh my God, everything they taught us, <laughs> everything I've been doing in my life, this is the exact opposite of what I should be doing. And I was absolutely shocked. And here I was a food maker selling food to people and, and different than a brand. Like, you know, we also have our brands like you online and stuff. We were literally standing in front of our customers every single day as a restaurant. And in an office park location, you see the same people three times a day. I don't know, corporate America, I, they don't work. They're like in, they're taking so many breaks, right? Like just, <laughs> Bob, aren't you busy? You know, they're just down in our restaurant all the time. We really got to know them. They, they became friends. We had people getting married. I mean, it was like a whole, you know, it becomes your world. And I'll never forget, literally, it was a guy named Bobby put down a Diet Coke on the counter and I took his two bucks and I thought to myself, I should not be, or I thought, Bob, you should not be drinking this diet soda, right? And then I thought to myself, man, I should not be selling this. You know, so we had them big brands back then and we thought that was cool. Like we had Sun Chips and Coca-Cola and vitamin water and boar's head meat and brands that we thought were, that were good until I learned the details of what was in actual ingredients from school. So I just changed everything. I changed everything one at a time and it's been good on you turns 20 in this year. Wow. Congratulations. Crazy, right? So it's been a journey. We haven't been this way since the beginning, but it's been little steps of learning all along the path and making those change in our restaurants as things became available and making the changes in my personal life. So I wouldn't give anybody anything that I wouldn't eat now. That's sort of the rule. I think that's so important. Yeah. So when you first got diagnosed and for any listeners who have autoimmune, you know, what were some of those initial changes that you made and kind of any tips around that? My naturopath said, you know, we had to heal my gut, right? But we had to stop also throwing fuel on the fire. So gluten, which is so annoying to talk about, I know everyone's over (laughs) it, but I had to go gluten free. It was a, a really inflammatory protein for me dairy as well. Uh, I had to cut out soy and just really inflammatory foods. So a big thing for me was oils, getting rid of the vegetable oils out of my, out of my diet, the soy and canola oil and, you know, vegetable oils (laughs) sounds so great, but probably as all your listeners know, that's just a no, no. So those things in particular, and they were hard, right? Cause I was a carb person. I mean, I lived on pasta and oatmeal and They didn't have gluten-free oats back then. Yeah, so it was really, really tough for me to make those changes, but I had to. I couldn't even function. How long did it take after you had started to shift to this anti-inflammatory diet till you really started to be able to come into work and not be home? Yeah, I guess it was maybe, I was really sick on the couch for probably over a month, but the little, once I got over just having bronchitis and just being so sick, it's been a journey of years. I mean, I'm still not there. You know, my antibodies are still sometimes out of control. So I've been learning. It's not just food. It's also stress in your life that can kind of cause that the antibody response. And there's a lot of things that can tax your immune system. So for me, it's been all about how to keep my immune system calm and my body calm. And that includes better, you know, changing the way you exercise all the way to how you think. So it's been I don't think it will ever end, but let's see, I was diagnosed maybe, I don't even know, I lose track of all time now, like 12 years ago or something. And I feel great. 
but my numbers still aren't that good. It's frustrating. But owning, you know, we got up to five restaurants and then we launched our brand on in the grocery store. So I, I learned stress was a big component of keeping me down for a long time. Yeah, that that is why we like to think of the wellness journey. There is no end to it and it's constantly learning and tweaking what's working for your body and that kind of holistic view of not just food, right? Stress and your lifestyle is such an important piece of it. Yeah, there's so many things, everything from what you clean with to the chapstick you wear. I mean, I just sort of look at every element in my life. And for a while, of course, I'm the crazy aunt, you know, the, the <laughs> and now as people are getting, you know, sick or having issues or coming back to me, I'm like, well, I did tell you that like 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> so I've learned to, it, I was so evangelical in the beginning, beginning, I was completely annoying. And now I've learned to like, just put the information out there, have it be a little bit more uh, passive and put it for people. And then when they're ready, they come, you know, kind of like doing a podcast like this, you know, you're trying educating people and when they're ready, they're going to stumble upon it or they're going to seek it out to learn. But I was just in their face at dinner on the table. I'm like that GMO, GMO, GMO. You can't eat that. No, <laughs> who would want to hang out with someone like that? I was, I was just a nightmare, but you well, get so motivated to share and help people. Well, so it's wonderful now that you've learned all of this and you can have it come to life in the restaurant. So clearly you're obsessed about the ingredients that you use. Talk to me a little bit about how that plays out in the restaurant and really, you know, what your mission is at the restaurant as far as ingredients and offerings that you have. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, I went to school with a lot of people in Encinitas like you, right? Like people who are really into health and wellness and then they became my friends and they live in this town. And when I decided to open a location in Encinitas, I didn't want any of them to come in and be like, oh, well, you know, get the turkey, but not the tuna. You know, I didn't want to have to make any excuses for anything. And I know, I knew now ingredients. I studied them, I learned them. And so when you're just deciding to buy something from a vendor, there's stuff that's way cheaper but I, I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. And to be quite honest, when we opened Encinitas, I had no idea if the level of what we were doing would, would work because as out there as it is, it's actually food in its normal state. <laughs> we're the normal ones, but I didn't know if people would really be into it. And luckily they were, they were just sort of dying in this community for a truly healthy restaurant. Restaurants, restaurant owners, and even chefs sometimes don't understand ingredients. They look at food in a different way. Restaurant owners from margins, chefs kind of, you know, maybe you're going to want a grain fed filet because it cooks better and you don't really know how to deal with grass fed meat. I mean, I think that's, that's changing. And I think chefs do want natural, you know, unadulterated foods, but also sometimes chefs are owners. So restaurants are a problem in this country. And even if you've got a great piece of wild salmon, it's probably sautéed in canola soy oil blends that they buy in five-gallon buckets that are rancid. And that's just a standard oil in a restaurant. So a pro tip that I always give people is even if you're, when you're out and they don't have anything, you know, organic oil like we would have, ask for butter. It's still probably going to be factory farmed butter, but at least it's not an inflammatory, like, 
poison that I consider soy and canola oil blends like that. Or even olive oil, even though you shouldn't heat it, I'd still do that over the soy and canola. <laughs> so what are your non-negotiables then at the restaurant that you have? Everything's organic, correct? Everything that can literally be is, you know, down to salt isn't organic, as you know, but we use Himalayan pink salts. Seafood can't be organic. So everything we do is wild, sustainable, single pole caught, that kind of stuff. And then the other things like baking soda, there's no organic baking soda, but you get aluminum free. So you, we kind of learned everything is organic that can be. Now, we will let something in that might be totally and amazingly cool and different, but it has to be non-GMO. So the non-negotiables are GMOs and any soy and canola in any form, even if it's organic soy and canola, which is kind of an oxymoron, but no, no soy, no canola in any form. And those, you know, like we have some grain-free tortillas that we use and the cassava is not organic, but that is something that we wanted to offer people for an organic burrito, for, you know, a gluten-free burrito is pretty awesome. So There those needs are, to yeah. be more gadanias around the country. <laughs> What I, you know, what I've come to love about it, it is that you don't feel bad after you eat. And mostly I think it's because of those oils. And also, you know, when you're eating pesticides and all that stuff, it adds up in your body. So you just, we're not the best chefs in the world. I'm not, I'm actually a horrible cook. I have hired an amazing female chef that, and we're making a lot of these changes for her to be able to do a little bit more fancy food, let's call it. But we've been really simple. And it's just simple, tasty ingredients. You know, people would say, oh, this is the best salad I've ever had in my life. I'm like, it's olive oil, vinegar, salt and pepper, you know, spring mix from across the street from a farm. It's nothing, it's just nothing fancy, but it's the way food's meant to be. And I think the flavors come through. Absolutely. Yeah. So in addition to the food that you make there, you also have products for people to buy. And I, I feel like you are always on the cutting edge of products. <laughs> well, I think just my, the way I look at the ingredients, you know, it's, it's exactly like you. So I was maybe a little ahead of the time with the bar that we made, you know, we met, we had a really high fat um, little nutrition bar back in the day, like in 2008. And we had a lot of people telling us, well, that's way too much fat for a bar. I'm like, well, guys, this is a Brazil nut. I mean, this is the fat. <laughs> you, you can't tell me a Brazil nut has too much fat. It's, it's what nature gives us. But yeah, we didn't, we didn't make it with the bar. We have brought those back. We call them good on your balls now. and We make little bliss balls in the, in the store. So that's fun for people who knew that. Then we make our electrolyte powder. This product for me was a real passion product because... Hydration has always been a problem of mine. When I was competing, Coca-Cola is the largest Olympic sponsor in the world. So they gave us Powerade and there's, I think about 40 grams of sugar in a 20 ounce bottle, not to mention flame retardants, petroleum-based food coloring, artificial and genetically modified sweeteners. It's, it's almost like everything wrong with the food system in one bottle. And if it's, zero, if it's not a lot of sugar, it's just more artificial sweeteners. You know, it's the same with Gatorade. And I feel like we don't bash brands with those two soda companies that own those two products that market them as healthy and needed to, in my mind, is criminal because I feel like I was poisoned by those things. And we were told we needed them for our performance. If we were dehydrated, in fact, as soon as we were thirsty, our performance is decreased by 
So it's like you're always struggling to stay hydrated. And when you're downing 200 grams of sugar a day, you're going to get loose stool and then end up more dehydrated because your, your body sends water down to your bowels to kind of break all that sugar down, not to mention all the other issues. So I was really passionate about this because if, when you drink that stuff, you think you're going to want to drink water as a 20-year-old over that. It's so tasty at the time. Now, to me, it tastes like chemicals. But at the time, it, this was way easier to drink when you had to drink a gallon a day. So I struggled my whole life to drink water. And when I started doing hot yoga and I wasn't drinking sports drinks anymore, I realized how incredibly dehydrated I was. And not only from lack of water and all the, all the just flushing of things that you need in your body, but the minerals. We are so void of minerals in this country because of, of commercial farming and GMO farming and our water. We're using RO water. And so that's all been stripped of minerals. So we became totally obsessed with getting natural minerals and electrolytes into our body. And so we just went into nature and we're like, well, where, where does nature give them to us? Any of the world's great salts, like Himalayan, Celtic salt, they all have like all these 80, 70, 80 minerals in them. And then they have all the electrolytes in them naturally in the ratio that nature created, not some dude in the lab going, oh, you need this much sodium and this much potassium. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you know, honestly, when you think about it? How can you argue with nature when you put these unnatural levels of sodium chloride, which has been stripped out of that natural salt, bleached and mixed with anti caking agents like corn from GMO corn? You know, and so you look at the label of these and like, oh, awesome, this has 200 milligrams of sodium. I need this for my ride. They're like, okay, well, if you were dying on a football field in the middle of Florida and you needed sodium chloride, okay, it's going to save you. But the long-term effects of that stuff are pretty dangerous. You're putting in unnatural amounts of major electrolytes and minerals that your body's not designed to have in those ways. We're designed to walk along in the mountains and drink from a spring. That's how humans evolved. So that's what we tried to get into the bag. And I feel like we did that. And I always tell people, I'm not that smart. I mean, honestly, I majored in field hockey, but <laughs> n nature is common sense. So I don't need a lab and I don't need a scientist to tell me that Himalayan pink salt is perfect because it's been on the planet, you know, for, I don't know, 8 billion years or something. How do you argue with that? You can't. That's awesome. You can't. You, you can, can, and they do. They do, <laughs> but they're wrong. <laughs> so Hydrate is now available on... Good Anya website as well yeah. as in the restaurants and other places that people can find it. Yeah, we sell it on Amazon and, and our site, Good Anya Organic, and in the restaurant. We sell thousands of glasses a year. It's so awesome. Little kids come in and they know us as like the healthy lemonade place that they can have, you know, a little drink that has it, it's sweet and tastes great, has a tiny, tiny bit of stevia. We've really, really become good at working with stevia. Most brands out there, I shouldn't tell them our secret, but they just use too much. They just use way too much and then it gives it that kind of that bad taste or they use the wrong kind of stevia. So if you use just a touch, it will sweeten it without the negative effects of, of sugar on your blood sugar levels. That's great. And do you drink hydrate every day? Yeah, we formulated it. What we say is for daily hydration. 
So because the minerals and electrolytes are in their natural form, they're designed to drink all day. So it's kind of like remineralizing your water in the ratio that nature created. And then we put organic lemon juice, vitamin C, and the it's 0.01 grams out of an eight gram scoop of stevia. So it is so minor that it just takes the edge off of drinking lemon water, you know, or lemon salty water. And that's actually how we developed it. We were at a street fair and you know, those guys who sell lemonade and like the 50, yeah. you know, the 50, you know, the huge big gulp things in the lemonade stand. And it was like 200 degrees and we're doing a little street fair for our bar. And one of my employees went over and got lemon and the ice and the water, but she told the guy not to put the sugar in. He thought she was insane. And she came back and put like two drops of liquid stevia into this giant vat that she got from him. And it was lemonade. I'm like, wow, this is so smart. And then so we started adding minerals to it and that's how we created it. So there's our recipe. You can make that in your kitchen. It's super easy. Love it. How yeah. do you think being an athlete has helped you in being an entrepreneur? And kind of in that roller coaster also that comes along with the entrepreneurial ride. Yeah, I think I think being an athlete, and I, I think I learned this mostly when I became a boss of kids who are athletes, I would see them come into our restaurant and they just understood working hard. Restaurants can be very stressful. So they wouldn't kind of, you know, kind of, they would just do deal with it. Like, okay, there's a line out the door. No problem. That's what I got to do. They would help their team teammates and coworkers just more naturally. And so I think be, you learn things from the time when I was five years old about being on a team that just become part of who you are. And certainly getting to the level that we got to in the Olympics, you know, we have a lot of coaches along the, along the way. And just because you're a coach, even at a high school, a college, a club, or even the Olympics, doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're a good person, doesn't mean you're a good coach. So there's a lot of, and this is a really hot topic out there right now, there's a lot of abuse in sports, emotional, sexual physical abuse that athletes go through. We went through emotional and physical abuse, luckily not sexual abuse. You know, you've heard of US gymnastics and what's just running through their program right now and has been for generations. So it, being an athlete at this level is really difficult, but you, so you're forced if you want to do it to learn to, to deal with whatever comes your way. Cause you have this, you know, you have this person kind of holding holding your dreams, angling your dreams in front of you. And there's so much is out of your control that all you can do is work hard and hope that it works out. And that's, a, that's really launching a brand. I mean, so much is out of our control, right? I mean, you may, you may go into a grocery store and give it to the buyer and it's, it's up to how that person's feeling that day, you know? Yeah. Or they, yeah, it, so much is out of your control. That's why I'm really psyched to be offering our brands online now we're a little bit more in control of our destiny. Yeah. So it's, it's going, that's that part's going well and a little bit less stress, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean by that. Absolutely. What's one or two things uh, that as you were in training that maybe a coach or a teammate really helped you give advice you think that's been really useful today in your business? I guess it's really understanding what you have control over and what you don't. And all you can really do is do your best. I learned that from my team. I learned that from certain coaches and lots of situations. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of luck. There's no doubt that goes along with it. But being a good person, when I talk to the young athletes, 
<laughs> no coach wants to coach a jerk, you know? <laughs> so you don't have to always be the best, but if you work the hardest and you're kind and helpful, that coach is going to want to be going to want you on the team. Same with your teammates. Sometimes the best kid is a total jerk and they're going to make it just because their skills. So to me, to me that that's helped and it's, it's helped in the customer service industry because it's, you know, we face a lot of people every day, you know, we have to deal with Yelp, you know, restaurants are the kind of business where a lot of people don't, don't understand, you know, you could be sitting in your office and make a mistake, but in a restaurant you make a mistake and then someone is right there to throw it in your face with like a one-star review. And you're like, this is so brutal. So you have to learn to <laughs> suck it up a little bit and have thick skin. And I don't know, there's so much, there's so much of being an athlete that trans translates into all aspects of life, I think. How would you say that, you know, especially thinking about how your autoimmune disease really opened your eyes to that other parts of your life, not having stress, having that balance and really understanding, you know, what that looks like for you today in your work-life balance. How do you think that, that? Well, I think being honest with yourself and luckily for me, I was kind of a nerd with trying to understand my test results and I'll never forget, you know, I'd done all this stuff, less stress, better working out, eating real food. And my numbers were getting better. You can measure your antibodies in your body. And that's kind of just seeing how much your immune system is out of control and your autoimmune is, is raging or not. And you can kind of get it in remission. There's no curing it. So you can just measure these levels. And I was doing all of this stuff. But when we had raised money for the Good On Your Bar and we had an opportunity to go national with REI and with Whole Foods and we blew it, I had here I'd hired people and needed to fire them. I wasted all this money that was gone and talk about stress. And I went to get my yearly checkup and I'd done all this perfect stuff that they told me to do. And my numbers were out of control. And my naturopath was, these are the numbers of a woman that has a heart attack. Wow. And that was, that I was like, Whoa, really? Because I'm gluten-free and I'm dairy-free. Like, I'm, I'm all and I'm going to Expo West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the stress, it was the stress. It almost trumps everything. So that was a really big uh, wake-up call for me. Now, I've told that story, too, to some teenage kids, and they're like, great, so we can eat whatever we want as long as we're not stressed. I'm like, no, you can't go that far. But yeah, it, it was almost like being stressed is worse than anything else that we do. So but what do you do to balance that? Or at the time, what did you do and what do you do now? What's your approach? It's understanding an easier level of exercise and taking it down a notch and and being okay with that, you know, walking is apparently exercise. So I had to, (laughs) I had to learn, I had to learn that. I I honestly think it's controlling the thoughts in your mind because if, if I don't, then I don't sleep. And then if I don't sleep, everything starts to go from there. And we know everyone's really struggles with sleep in this country. So I think it first starts with what you're telling yourself all day long in your head. That is what I really try to be aware of. And I I try to surround myself with people who aren't stressed and just do healthier things. And then if I get stressed, I try not to be stressed about the fact that I'm stressed out because it's normal. But I've let go of a lot in the restaurant as far as customers complaining. The other day, we got a three-star review on Yelp because we're out of our green juice. And apparently, we're always out of our green juice when this girl comes down from L.A., and I'm like, really, you're going to go home and log on and <laughs> see it probably still is in me. 
but I just have to shake my head and maybe find empathy for somebody like that instead of letting it get to me. I used to write these long-winded responses and let it really get to me. And it's just perspective. We are doing our best. The Probably one of my favorite books of all time is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And always do your best. Don't take things personally. I mean, those two things right there, it's a lifelong practice of that. So I go back to those four simple things. Absolutely. Letting it go. Letting it go. Do you have a daily routine, a morning routine or ritual that you like to do to kind of set you up for that feeling for the day? You know, I think I've worked so, so hard on everything that I am pretty even throughout the day, but I love and and just absolutely love to get up and have my coffee. And I don't stress about it. You can read all these articles that coffee is going to kill you and it's the worst thing ever. And then you read that coffee has antioxidants and blah, blah. You know what I mean? You can argue all this stuff. Look, I figure if I'm eating food from nature and it's grown correctly and it's in moderation, then I'm going to also enjoy life. And so for me, we source our coffee from like all female co-ops and I know that it's grown correctly. I do half decaf and half regular just because too much caffeine doesn't feel good to my body. And I have one cup in the morning and it's like a little ritual of this love. I love, I love the smell. I love making it. I have it in like a cup that controls the temperature. Like it's a whole thing for me. Oh, that's amazing. Get up, <laughs> yeah, I go to bed early. I get up early in the morning. I have my own time, kind of time. The dogs are still asleep. Uh, my wife, Bren, is like a college student. She can sleep and t- I don't know how she does it. She sleeps so well. So she's asleep and I just have my own time and I I love the mornings. All right. So now we're going to go through some quick rapid fire Q&A. Okay. Your favorite wellness hack. Oh, I guess that would be my like juice shot in the morning. What's in that juice shot? Uh, Turmeric, ginger, olive oil, black pepper, and some lemon and just shoot it up. I make it for the week and then shoot it. I just blend it all whole together. Nice. What's something that brings you joy? Um, nature. Three random things that you're currently loving. So it could be a podcast, a product, TV show, movie. Um, random things. I love making playlists. So I've got my headphones on at like, you know, 6 a.m. and I'm making playlists. I just love that. (sighs) Where do you listen to your playlist? Working out or just around the house? No, I'm up early and I'm working and I have it on. And music's a really important part of the Good On You experience when you come in. So we want it to sound good, feel good, and not just be you know, random guitar riffs that are super loud. So I'm always making, I mean, my employees, I'm sure hate me, but I'm making playlists that they're only allowed to play and they can make them and submit them to me for my review. And then I can delete as needed. So I teach them not to complain, but you know, to be active in the process because it's good to find lots of different music, but it all has to have kind of the same tone. I've really been enjoying hiking. So we recently bought a little place in the mountains. And so hiking for me is new. Summertime in the mountains I never experienced before coming from California. So I'm really, really into that. And I am reading a book on breathing. And so for me right now, I'm learning this whole other aspect of health. And it's been something new to learn. Sometimes food gets a little boring because I'm so immersed in it all the time. So 
Do you remember the name of the book in case anyone's um, interested? It's, I think it's called Breathing, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you so we can put it up. It's, it's incredible. It, it kind of will change your life and your health. And most of us breathe wrong. And I'm like, what? No, I'm eating wrong now. I'm breathing wrong. Like, ah. It's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A travel destination that you're dreaming of going to next. Oh, I was supposed to go to Italy for my 50th and that got canceled. So I would love to, in all of my travels with sports, I, we never got to go to, to Italy. So that's where I want to make it to. Maybe the end of this year. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want more of in your life? I mean, honestly, I think I'm pretty good. I, I, I'm just grateful for what I have. So I don't, I find a lot of peace and not wanting. I have time that I carve out time to do what I want to do. And I have amazing people that work at my company. Uh, we're all female run and managed. And they're just an incredible group of people that allow me after 20 years to have a little bit of freedom. So that's good. Uh, yeah. What do you want less of? Uh, computers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think computers. Yeah. Email. I would just blow it all up if I could. A meal that you'll never forget. I've had some good meals with friends at the St. Regis. <laughs> no, at, um, where were we? Not the St. Regis. St. Regis, right? Yeah. In Park City. I just love, I love eating in nature from, with like waiters and chefs that are really passionate about it. So we've, we've had some good, good meals in Utah, I would say, in Park City. Your favorite or most memorable business moment? Oh, man. There's been so many memorable, but I wouldn't call them favorite. Well, you could pick either, whichever direction yeah. you want to go with it. Honestly, I think this is going to sound weird, but I would say COVID, okay? Because when we opened the Encinitas restaurant in 2015, we grew so quickly, it was really, really difficult. And I'm not like complaining, but the stress and the turnover and what we were dealing with in, you know, pretty small restaurants still, we needed a break. And COVID hit and it was really, really hard for the first three or four months to take everything in a restaurant and put it online. I won't even go into like how hard that was. But we did it. We pivoted. We were selling toilet paper and six packs of beer and we became like these little this little market. And so that went really well. And there was a moment when every, all the work was kind of done and we were just in the flow. And I almost kind of fell in love with my restaurant again. Because like I said, it's a stressful, it's a stressful industry and it had been 15 years of doing it. Well, like 19 years of doing it at that time. So we're revitalized and creating products out of there. And we took over a space next to us. We have more space now. And... And honestly, it was these women that I hired and, 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 okay. So we have all female managers and leaders, uh, except for one guy, his name's Jesus. So we kind of say we were all female owned and managed except for Jesus. And we kind of <laughs> laugh at that. <laughs> so he's just an amazing guy who, if I could craft a list of qualities for each and one, each one of these people, um, I mean, everything, they are everything. And so they came along all of them really from February of last year through COVID and they've transformed everything that we've been doing. So I'm really psyched to have them on board. And now we can do the, you know, we're launching a culinary program to train the next generation of young chefs so they can go out into the restaurants 
and fix them because restaurants, like I said, are broken. And we had the space to do this. And the head chef that we hired graduated top in her class at a French culinary program that was a year-long program. And if you're number one in the class, then you can stay and teach, which she did for a year. So she learned how to teach a curriculum. So we're going to launch a little school like the nutrition schools that we went to and have it probably going to be a six-month program to basically teach them how to cook organic real food. That's amazing. Congratulations. I had no idea. Yeah, it's a new thing. I haven't told anyone but you. Um, So we haven't um, figured it uh, all the details yet, but we have the space now for it, which is great. So it's really exciting. It's wonderful to have the silver lining from COVID, especially being in the restaurant industry. So I'm thrilled that you have this coming out of it. You know, people... It was weird. Like I've, I, you know, I say I'm over Yelp, but clearly I'm not because I always talk about it. But the restaurants, like us, you know, always took a lot of abuse. We take it the five star reviews too, right? But it's always the one stars that you hold on to all day. But now with COVID, somehow restaurants, we got all this love. I kind of felt bad for the retail stores because we weren't really talking about them that much. But restaurants were just getting loved up all over the place from people. And we realized that we're part of the fabric of the individual communities that make up, you know, where we gather and where we meet and where we go on dates and where we have our birthday parties. And so I didn't realize how special restaurants were to people, even though we have the best customers in the world, 99% of them are leaving five-star reviews and thanking us and hugging us doing what we're doing. So it, it made me fall in love with my restaurant again, because I started to see the positiveness that was out there instead of focusing on the negative. Oh, the impact that you're having. Food is so important. Yeah. So important. And there were people who couldn't cook, didn't have kitchens, or didn't want to cook, and came to us every single day, and it was helping them. But we thought, oh, man, you're keeping us in business. And they're like, no, you're keeping me alive. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize <laughs> that. I, I thought it was just all you're helping us. So, yeah, it was fun to really see people come out and support us the way they did. They helped us build an outdoor patio. We got donations and people were just doing that. We donated thousands of meals to our local hospital and homeless center. And everyone's like, oh, good on you. That's so generous of you. And I'm like, well, not really. It was our customers. They, we said, look, if you buy these packages, we'll make the food and it's a win-win. You're supporting them and you're supporting us. And they did by the thousands. So that really, really helped us. And it just made us feel so good that we were able to help the nurses and doctors and the, and the workers in the hospital that often get avoid, get ignored, people who clean the hospitals were pulling double shifts, sleeping in their cars. Wow. So yeah, we were choosing to feed them versus, you know, the doctors. So, so it was a really fun time as hard as it was to reconnect with everybody and just about the positiveness. That's incredible. Yeah. So your last rapid fire, what's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Oh man, number one non-negotiable. I mean, I know it seems a little bit out there, but it would be, it would be GMOs. Because if you avoided them, you would be avoiding processed foods. So if you start there, you'd be avoiding inflammatory oils. So if, you, if we can learn a little bit about that and just get rid of the artificial, it, well, let's, let's face it, it's not food. <laughs> it's literally not food. So you, if you put it into your body where 80% of your immune systems in your digestive tract, 
it, it just, and let's, okay. I guess I can't call it a non-negotiable because when I eat out in restaurants, you're getting them, you know, but maybe we have to say stress. Maybe we don't stress over GMOs. That's the number one. I don't we'll know. We'll give you two. You can say stress <laughs> and GMOs. <laughs> okay. And then not stressing about GMOs. That's three. So in closing, what is next for you? What's big? It sounds like this school is next big thing on the horizon. Yeah, we're trying to basically launch products out of our restaurant, our little hub in Encinitas. And so doing the culinary program and taking more products that we make and making them available online. Uh, We just launched a wine club. So that has been off the hook since the beginning. I mean, the successful restaurants out there in COVID pivoted to basically what, what else can we sell? I mean, we were selling toilet paper, right? So just to kind of pay the rent. And we learned that we could sell our wine. We do all biodynamic wines from regenerative farms, and we do some organic vineyards too. But we focus on biodynamic, low residual sugars, low sulfites, all that. And the wine club is awesome. So we're getting our ABC permit to be able to ship into all the states that allow shipping. You know, you can't ship into Utah and places like that. Hopefully you can ship to Colorado. I want to it's So that's been really fun. So we're just going to kind of keep doing what we're doing in the restaurant and seeing what we can put online to share it with everybody. So soon the balls, hydrates already there, our coffee's there. And um, then the wine, we kind of call it drink like us. So you do, you have the coffee and then you have hydrate and then you have wine and then you have more hydrate and then repeat. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Where can listeners find you and how we can support you? Yeah. I mean, goodonyourorganic.com. You can see our products. If you're an Amazon shopper, that'd be great. If you could buy our hydrate there, uh, that's really, really supportive either place. And it's, you'll love it. It's good for you. It makes drinking water easy and fun. And a five-star review on Yelp. Oh yeah. Just even if you've never <laughs> been to a restaurant, can you just go do that? That's the, that's like the, the nonsense of Yelp. You don't literally don't even have to prove you were there. At least on Amazon, it's a verified purchase, you know? Yeah. It's a little little bit more legit, but Yelp, it can just be someone who used to work for you or a competitor. You just, it's, it's crazy. Well, Chris, thanks so much for Good being call. on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to see you and great to see you, even though we can't see each other that much right now. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.